0: there and graduated from there. My wife graduated from there. Krista graduated from there. My brother Aaron went there for a semester. <laughs> um, but hey, he's in a good place. So, um, so anyways, they're, they're a, a part of the alumni board at Southwestern. So they go down there for board meetings and different things like that. So that's, that's why they're down there uh, this time of year. And uh, their daughter Emily also is attending Southwestern At the moment, so I'm sure that they're getting to spend some time with her, uh, and that's probably great uh, for them to be able to do that. So uh, I get to preach for you tonight, and uh, Pastor Scott let me know uh, with a lot of time in advance, as in, like, after service on Sunday, he was like, Hey, you're preaching on Wednesday? So (laughs) so you might have to give me a little bit of grace uh, tonight, um, as as I, I did not have a ton of time to prepare. Um, But that's okay, because I do believe that uh, no matter what, um, God has something for us tonight. Um, So uh, I I do want to share a little bit of my story. Um, I know that there's probably some people in the church that, you know, the the teenagers hear from me all the time because I'm the youth pastor. Um, But, um, you know, some of the, uh, the, I don't know if I've ever shared my story in an adult service or anything like that. So I'm just going to talk a little bit about, you know, my journey of faith uh, and my relationship with Jesus and and everything like that, how, how Liz and I got to Colorado and, and, and everything like that. And then I'm, I'm going to kind of relate it a little bit to um, a story from the Bible that talks about, you know, the attitude that I tried to have during that time towards my relationship with Jesus. And then also, uh, I think it's very relevant to the time that we're living in right now. Uh, I think that's always been relevant, but I think it's a little easier to uh, apply it in our lives at the moment. Um, so, uh, so I grew up in Wisconsin. And um I lived in the same house my whole life until I left for college. Uh so I never moved, uh which is probably crazy because if there's anybody here in the military or uh, you know, we're in the military. I literally lived in the same house my entire life and and uh and so it was crazy. I never had to move or anything until I left for college. Um and I grew up in church and I, I didn't know this until later, but my parents were were new Christians whenever they got married and, and started having kids. And so there's a lot of stuff that I could see uh, looking back now, understanding that, learning that information at a later point, that uh, my parents were very much learning how to be Christians and learning how to serve Jesus uh, while we were growing up. And, uh, you know, even even to the point that, you know, uh, I, I remember who my parents were when I was a small child and and, and who they were when I graduated and and just— it really was an amazing thing. And I wish they would have told me some of this stuff like sooner because they really do have a great story of the transformation and stuff that comes along with the relationship with Jesus. Um, but, you know, I remember my dad getting angry over certain things and stuff like that. And uh, and and I would wonder, you know, like, oh, why is he getting so mad? Or I just thought it was normal. But But then, you know, later on in life, after hearing their testimony and everything like that, um, it really was an amazing thing because I could see the person that my dad and my mom are now and, and compare it to what I remember as a child and and, and just, you know, and, and this is kind of like the theme of, of what I want to talk about and, and what I want to say is I'm so thankful for Jesus. I'm so thankful for my relationship with him and and the fact that everyone else can have that same relationship with him and it's just as transformational for, for you as it is for me and, and anyone else that you want to share it with, right? Uh, I'm so thankful for my relationship with Jesus, so... But growing up in a in a in a Christian household, uh, we went to church all the time, um, and um, I, I don't ever remember a time when I was like, oh, "I don't want to go to church anymore" or anything like that. I just I love church. I love going there. As a kid, uh, there are times when we changed churches and things like that. But I always grew up, you know, at the church. Um, and it, this one time in particular, I remember we were looking for a new church, and uh, I'm I'm like. Kind of like higher kids' church age. I don't remember exactly how old I was when that happened, and uh, it was right around Easter time that we were going. And they had this raffle for this giant Easter basket, like it was like this big around, like huge. They made it out of cardboard, filled it up with a bunch of stuff or whatever. And so, turns out like all the kids, like each week leading, like that whole month, each week that they were there, they got to put their name in a bucket for with a raffle ticket. And, uh, and, and they, if they brought a friend, they got to put their name in twice and the friend got to put their name in and stuff like that. And I show up there my first week and I put my name in there and that was the week that they did the raffle and I won. I went away with that Easter basket and I was like, oh my goodness, <laughs> you know, like, like, I love this church. We should go back here. You know, I'm telling my parents like, yeah, let's do it again. Like, you know, cause I had just showed up and won this giant Easter basket. And, and so I have great memories like that from, from church growing up. And uh just just crazy stuff. And I, I kind of felt bad a little bit, but not really, you know, because all these other kids had been putting their names in there for like a whole month and and I just show up once and and just take it from them, you know. It's the favor of the Lord, you know, favor isn't fair. So um, <laughs> um but even from a very young age, I I always felt like when I was kids church age, I always felt like I was gonna be a pastor. Um, which is kind of weird, you know. You like ask a kid what they want to be when they grow up. They're like, you know, I want to be an astronaut or a fire truck or something, you know. And uh, yeah, I said fire truck. <laughs> and, you know, kids say weird stuff sometimes. You know, they they have like these these aspiring, you know, things or whatever. And and to me, I I wanted to be a pastor. Uh, When I was in kids' church, and you know, and it was just like something—I just—I don't know exactly what it was, but I love the idea of being somebody who helps other people, or, or things like that. And and I thought my kids' pastor was cool, so you know, I wanted to be a kids' pastor. And and kind of as I got older, that thought was kind of in the back of my mind. It wasn't like because obviously as a child you're not planning out your career, you know. So that thought kind of went to the back of my mind, and I didn't really, you know, think of it or or not think of it. It just was kind of like a a moment where. Um, you know I had that thought as a child, and then I just continued on and and got older and and when I was in the youth group is when I really started to think, what am I supposed to do with my life? you know what am I supposed to be and and this this thought that from my childhood came back of maybe i 'm supposed to be a pastor and, it, and and at that time, you know in my church you know i always heard of it called as as vocational ministry like uh ministry as a position uh, because to be honest, we're all called to be pastors in some sense or the other, right? You guys understand that. As a, as a Christian, when you, when you give your heart to Jesus, it's part of our responsibility to share the good news with other people, um, no matter where you're at. And in fact, I think that some people have much more opportunities to share Christ with, with unbelievers outside of a ministry position than they do inside of the church, Right. And so, um, you know, I had moments in my life where I worked at secular jobs and I felt like it was so much easier for me to witness to people, you know, at those jobs than 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 working here at the church. And now I get to mentor teenagers and help them understand how to do that as well. And that's amazing. Um, And so um, but I started thinking about this and and uh, and. I started really processing, you know, what am I supposed to do after high school? Because, you know, your guidance counselors or whatever pull you in and they do the career assessments and stuff like that. And they're like, you need to start planning your future. And you're like, geez, I'm like 13. What, are you, <laughs> what am I supposed to do? And and so I always had this thought of like, what am I supposed to do with my life or whatever? And uh, my dad is a mechanic. He started his own shop when I was in like fourth grade. He opened up his own business. And, and so I grew up working on cars. And so that was always a good skill that I had, and so it you know hands on things i love I love hands on things where I can you know take something apart, put it back together, or whatever that stuff just clicks for me. Um, you know, like English class in high school did not click for me, uh you know things like that. It wasn't like it was uninterested, I was just uninterested in it, which I guess it makes it uninteresting I don't know but um but anyways, you know, I was thinking of this and processing it and and i really did start strongly feeling and, and part of the thing is is like i was actively listening to what god was saying to me in case he was going to tell me what i was supposed to do right and so i think that if i wasn't regularly attending church or you know youth group and in my case as a teenager if i wasn't regularly pursuing god by reading my scripture bible regularly by praying regularly i don't think that i would have had this thought process and i don't think that i would have you know had this longing to think of what God wanted me to do rather than what do I want to do, you know, or, or what am I good at that I can just find a career in so that I can make some money and, you know, go through the motions and everything like that. Um, I was very dedicated to attending youth group and, um, you know, up to that point, like I said, we went to church all the time and, and I very much paid attention to God, what are you speaking to me? And so I think because of that dedication to him, I started processing, Lord, what is it that you want me to do rather than what is it that I want to do, right? And so, um, again, this thought of me being a pastor, and at that moment it moved on to youth ministry or just a pastor in general because I didn't know if I specifically wanted to do youth ministry or not at that point. Um, And it came to this moment, because I had been thinking about it for a while, and it came to this moment where um, my youth pastor had preached a sermon about who knows what, and (laughs) I just remember... Uh, going up to the altar afterwards, I cannot remember for the life of me what he was talking about uh, during that message. But he had an altar call, and I remember going up to the altar and you know kneeling down on steps just like these, and and uh, and just I, I had this one moment where I felt so connected and so close to God, and I, I just asked the question, Lord, if you want me to go into full time ministry, I will go one hundred percent and. And just run after it, right? That, that I won't have a fallback. I won't have anything like this. And this is like a thirteen-year-old me, which is kind of weird to me, thinking back on it. But. Um which tells you, if you parents of teenagers in here, your kids are processing stuff like this like way earlier than than what you might think uh, at, at very young ages, um, and so they can understand things and they can be pushed and set goals and all that kind of stuff. Uh, sorry, if there's any teenagers in here, you can push your kids to be great, <laughs> you know. Um, and and so I had this thought, and and I literally said to God in that moment, I said, if you if you want me to be a pastor, I'll go at it 100. But if not, just let me know. I just need to know. Do you want me to go into ministry or not? And. There was no, like, audible voice from God that spoke down to me. It was like, Josh, I have called you to ministry, or, you know, whatever. Uh, it, it wasn't anything like that. But I, I will tell you that it, it's as if I was, like, standing in the middle of, like, a ton of fog. And then immediately the fog was lifted. And I could see so clearly that God had called me into ministry, into, into uh, uh, being a pastor. And, and it was, like, so clear, you know. Um, it, it was like I was... Lost, and I kind of had the uh, uh, you know, like the song I Can See Clearly Now the Rain, is, you know, <laughs> that's an old song, uh, but anyways, uh, so it was kind of like that, you know, and uh, I just knew immediately. And then, uh, you know, I, I spent that time and I was like, Thank you, Lord, or whatever, I'm gonna do this, or whatever, and uh, had a great time at that altar, and, and God really moved in my heart. And then after that had happened, God continued to confirm that in my life through other people. So like the, you know, the next time I showed up to church, our, our youth services were Wednesday night, that next Sunday, I showed up to church and, and one of my mom's friends, you know, came up to me, he said, said, Josh, I feel like God is calling you into ministry. And I was like, hey, that's kind of weird because I feel like that too, you know? And, and I, like three different people at, at different moments, uh, you know, that next Sunday and, and different times after that uh, came up to me and said, hey, I feel like God is telling me that you're supposed to be a pastor or something like that. And, and like literally every time I'm just like, wow, like blown away, you know, like how God's choosing me or he, he's, he's telling me something specific, even just not not that I put like being a pastor on the high pedestal or anything like that, but but more in the sense of God is telling me to do something. You know, he's, he's actually revealing to me what he wants me to do, what he created me for and, and all of this stuff. And, and it really was a, an amazing experience for me. And, and so from that moment on, I, I made it my goal to be um, like as helpful in the church as possible, right? Because I knew one day I'm going to be a pastor. So I need to start volunteering in church. I need to start working in youth group and, and, and not just attending services, but being a part of making it happen. Now I had, uh, like an extreme sense of, uh, introversy or whatever. Yeah. You know, I was very introverted. I don't know if that's a word, but it doesn't matter. You know what I'm saying? I was very introverted at that time, and it was like like I didn't want anything to do where I had it. Like I didn't want to stand at the door and high-five people. I didn't want to welcome them. I didn't want to do anything. But if you put me back, like, behind the scenes somewhere, like, I'll, I'll, I'll do that. And so I started helping out with sound and, and doing lights in youth group. And lights at that time, literally, I would stand at the side, and during worship, I would turn the lights off. And when worship was over, I'd turn the lights back on. It wasn't anything fancy or anything. I literally just stood there and flipped the switch. But I was helping. I was dedicated. I was like, this is what God called me to do. I'm going to start working for it, right? and i I do think that there's some things like in in your life that God is telling you to pursue doesn 't necessarily have to be like one day you 're going to be a pastor of a church or or whatever, but there are things in, in your life that God might be telling you to pursue, and maybe you 're not at the position uh, where you can facilitate that calling just yet, but you can do something right now that is going to lead you in that direction right and so that was my idea with all this and and I started running sound and, and this is all at the age of thirteen and and uh, and so I continued to you know, learn how to use a soundboard and, and mix audio and all that kind of stuff, and and that was kind of my place. I was very comfortable in that kind of stuff. Going back to the uh, technical mind, hands-on kind of thing, and and God was using me in that, um, in, in in a great way to to be able to do that and learn that, which was so much help later on in my life and stuff like that. You know, uh, especially in ministry here, um, many of those skills that are like not necessarily like hey you're a pastor you know you think of like preaching and sermon prep and calendars and all that kind of stuff and and stuff like that but you know almost everything where where I was in a position for a little bit just learning this one thing so I could be of help I'm using today you know in in being a youth pastor training our students how to use the soundboard or you know slides on the computer all that kind of stuff and And everything. And so it all uh, was worth so much to, to do just being able to be in that position. God, I know that you've called me to do something. So I cannot be a youth pastor right now at the age of 13 where I'm at, but I can do something. I can volunteer in church. I can volunteer in the youth ministry. Um, So it wasn't too long after that that I went to uh, a youth camp. Uh, So, again, parents, teenagers in here, send your kids to youth camp. God speaks in great ways. Uh, Life change happens in amazing ways at camp. Um, So uh, I went to a youth camp at the age of 16, and it was at an altar call at that youth camp where I got filled with the Holy Spirit and uh, I spoke in tongues for the first time. I was filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, and I specifically felt God calling me to youth ministry at that um, at that camp. Um, and um, it was kind of an incredible thing uh, at Fine Arts. Not this last one, but but two years ago. Um, I can't remember his name, Liz. Who spoke? Who's the speaker? Elisha's pastor, Dan Hunter. Okay, so this guy, Dan Hunter. Uh, came and spoke at that camp, and he was preaching when I got filled with the Holy Spirit, right? And, and I went up to him afterwards, and I told him, hey, I feel like God's calling me to be a youth pastor, and, um, you know, will you pray for me? I just got baptized with the Holy Spirit. Can you just pray for me or whatever? You know, and, and so two years ago, uh, we had fine arts, and he spoke, and I, found, I went up to him afterwards, and I was like, hey when I was 16, I was at a youth camp here and you came and spoke and you prayed for me because I told you I was called into ministry. And for some weird reason, he remembered the conversation that we had. And, and I was like, there's my youth group. I'm a youth pastor now. <laughs> you know, it was kind of like a, a really cool moment um, uh, to, to be a part of um, but That was the moment that I felt like I was called specifically into um, being a youth pastor. Um, so from that point on, I had a couple problems. Um, number one, I was not doing well in school because I never did my homework, uh, which was my own fault, okay? <laughs> All on it, okay? I had to take some summer school classes and things like that to catch up because I was not responsible and do my homework. I was very good at taking tests and it was a crutch for me because I could just show up to the test and get like a, you know, 85 or higher on the test and I never did my homework because it was, not, I had ADD, but, you know, I guess that's kind of an excuse too, but, um, and it was just really hard for me to sit down and do homework. But But after that, after after that calling in my life, that that got really changed. I'm like, well, if I am going to go to Bible college, I need to actually, you know, do well enough to get into a college. And so I had to work really hard on, um, on working on that, on, on getting into a college. And, and so I began to work really hard at my 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 schoolwork and my grades and everything like that. And and uh, and all of these things that happened because I ended up graduating, you know through my, my senior year, um, I had like all, all A's and like one B or whatever, which was unheard of for me, like my freshman year or sophomore year. Uh, I mean, it was like, like C's and maybe one B or something like that. You know, I like it, wasn't good. Okay. <laughs> Not the kind of report card you want to like, you know, i want to hide this from my parents because I don't want them to know, you know, what's going on with there. But, but it went from, from, from that to, you know, all A's and like a B or two. And, uh, and it was all because I'm pursuing what it is that God asked me to do. I I'm pursuing what it is because I know that God's asked me to do this and so that's where the motivation came from. I always wanted to serve him and 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 honor him with with the life that he gave me. Um so that was one of my problems. My other problem is uh I had some sin issues in my life that I was dealing with and I had this really Uh, This hard struggle between I'm dealing with this sin issue in my life, but God is not only calling me into ministry, but also using me actively in ministry where I'm at right now, praying for people and uh, having words for people and things like that through the Holy Spirit. And I really had this conflict between the sin issue that I was dealing with and God still using me, and it really threw me off because it was like, God's like, no, I still love you anyways, and I'm going to use you, even in the midst of all your mistakes and stuff like that. And I'm like, God, but why would you choose me? Because obviously I've got a problem. Because when I was, uh, you know, not too much older than 13, uh, I stumbled across pornography for the first time, and it it sucked me in hard. It, it grabbed a hold of me, and and I got to this point where it was like, I'm, I'm doing this, but I want to let it go of it so much, but I don't know how. I, I, it was a trap that I was stuck in. And so I'm sitting here, you know, trying to deal with this conflict of, you know, Lord, you called me into ministry. Not only did you call me to be a pastor, but you can do incredible things through my life. But I couldn't balance this idea of me being who I was and the decisions that I was making in my flesh and God calling me something different than what I saw myself as. Does that make sense? I feel like we've all been there on some some level or other, right? And uh, it doesn't have to be uh, an addiction or anything like that. It can even be, you know, how you view yourself, not having good enough self-worth or not seeing value in yourself. And so therefore, because you don't see value in yourself, you don't think that God can see that either. And and it really was a, a, a weird time in my life because I had this huge thing that I was dealing with. But at the same time, God kept showing me over and over again that, that his grace was more than enough to cover my mistakes and, and my own, um, you know, inabilities or, or whatever it is, or, or you know, it could be self, lack of self-worth or whatever. His grace was more than enough to completely cover that. The blood of, of Jesus Christ uh, covered me and made me righteous before God. And and because of that, he still looked at me and, and said, yeah, I know that you have made mistakes, but I'm still going to use you anyways, Right? And and so it was a big struggle that I had to um, overcome. Uh, was doing with that. But I didn't know how to deal with that. And um, I didn't know who to talk to about that. And And it was actually kind of hard because, like, I wouldn't talk to anybody I knew about it. Because I didn't want anybody I knew to know I was dealing with it. And so, like, at youth camp or... Uh, you know, some other event that we'd be going to, you know, they'd have an altar call, call where the whole front's lined up with leaders from different churches and I'd go find some person that I didn't know and tell them, Hey, I'm struggling with an addiction. And, and, uh, can you pray for me or whatever? And I went up and prayed for it. And, and I had so many people telling me like, you know, Hey, that's something that I used to deal with too. And, and God can heal you and help you with it or whatever. And I was prayed for so many times. And, and after those times, it was like, I would feel really good for like two days like really good for just a couple days and then and afterwards I'm like, man, this didn't work at all. You know? And then there'd be some times I'm like, man, the way this guy's talking to me, I feel like he needs prayer for this too. You know, <laughs> like, like I, I'd have these weird moments like that. And and it was like I didn't know where to find the resources to to get help with that. Uh and, and eventually I did. Eventually I told people that were close to me, that were able to help walk with me through it, rather than just a, a prayer and a pat on the back and say, hey, you can do it, bud, you know, whatever. And uh, and it probably wasn't until um, I was through, like, my my first year of college that I really found freedom from it. Uh, and I had people helping me all along the way, but but really I had some really good friends close to me. In, in college that would pray for me regularly and and we'd talk about it regularly and and was able to find freedom from that, but all throughout that process i still God was still using me to do do stuff God was still speaking through me he was still speaking to me, he still was showing me his love and all this kind of stuff and it really was an amazing thing and 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 there'd be times like you know where I, I would have a bad day and I would mess up or something like that and and then you know that night at youth service God would speak to me or or use me to pray for somebody and and just like in amazing ways, and it was like over and over, God was saying, "Like it, it doesn't matter. I just my love is enough. It doesn't matter. I still love you. I'm still going to use you. It doesn't matter. I'm still, you know, going to uh, work through you and 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 use you in a big way." Um, and and so that was kind of like a a, a big challenge to to fight through, uh, in in doing this. But I continually did my best to seek after what it was that God wanted me to do and, and walk that direction, and and move in that. In that way. And and then there's also the thing of, um, I was an extreme introvert, and I couldn't stand talking in front of people, but God called me to be a youth pastor. So, um, like, my youth pastor would bring me up on stage, knowing that I'm gonna go down to Southwestern and, and go to Bible college and 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 stuff like that. He would bring me up on stage and, and say, hey, share a story about when this happened or or talk about how you're going down to Bible college or whatever. And and I would get up and like my hands would just like be shaking so bad, you know, standing in front of people and, and talking and my lip would do this thing where it would like twitch really bad. And honestly if you were looking at me, it probably wouldn't look like it's as bad as what it felt like it was on the inside. I thought my lip was like you know, doing this thing. And uh, and and so I would like like always bite my lips or whatever when I wasn't talking so that people couldn't see that my lip was twitch. I was so I'm like and and I would do something like that. My youth pastor would call me up. I I talk a little bit about it or whatever, and then be like, okay, I'm gonna go sit down. You know, and uh, and and I would get done with that. I'm like, God, how am I supposed to do this? <laughs> you know how am I supposed to get up and talk in front of people? And and this is like right before I'm about to leave for college and everything like that. And I got to take public speaking classes and, and things like this. I'm like, how am I going to do this? You know, and, and it was something that I literally just had to give to God. I, I just had to lay it down at his feet. And I had to say, God, this belongs to you. I know that you've called me to do this. And so I'm going to trust you in this. And something happened in my first year of college that, that wasn 't like a single moment it wasn't like a single thing that happened where you know uh you know God just changed to like it wasn 't like a, a single thing, but I remember through the process of me being at college um, that first year, I really truly felt like a completely different person on the way out of it. I had so much more confidence in myself and who I was and and who God called me to be and that summer, I interned at my my youth group that I grew up at and had an opportunity to preach and i and i I remember going up there and preaching this message and uh, I had spent so much time, like, I had the entire summer to prepare for this message, and I had it all written out, and and I had practiced it so many times and things like that, and and I remember, like, like we're going through worship, and I'm supposed to go up after worship and preach, and my heart is just, like, pounding through my chest, like, I cannot do this, like, uh, uh, you know, I don't even know what's going to happen. I'm going to get up there and just, like, not be able to say anything or, or just, like, speak gibberish or something like that because I can't get words out of my mouth. I was so nervous about it, and and. There was this one moment where I literally just went back to the sanctuary. I turned around and I faced the back wall and I was like, Holy Spirit, you just got to speak through me because I can't do this. (laughs) You know, you just got to take over because I can't um, I I, I can't, you know, do this. I know I prepared and everything like that. I'm gonna do the best to to do this. But but God, you just got to speak through me and. And that was like literally one of the the weirdest sermons of my, uh, my life to this day because I got up there and I began preaching through my notes. And it was like as soon as I got up there and started speaking words out of my mouth, it was like everything just came out, flowed out so naturally. And it was like... Um, you know, I preach this whole sermon and the next thing you know, I, it's over and I'm doing an altar call and things like that. And I almost like like I remember doing everything, but it literally felt like God was just continually feeding me the words to say. And uh, and, and it was an amazing thing. And like a bunch of kids raise their hand for the altar call and 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 things like that. And again, God was using me in big ways, you know. And and I just, like, we, the worship team came up afterwards and kind of, like, ended in worship and, and stuff like that. And I just went to the back of the room and broke down and, and, and cried because I'm like, God, how could you do this with me? Like, you chose me to do this, right? And and it was just, like, this crazy confirmation of I know what I created you to do and what I called you to do. And, like, don't doubt me ever again, you know, kind of a thing. Like, like trust me when I say that you're going to be this. Trust me when I say that, that this is who you are created to be and, and this is what i'm going to use you as uh and, and that was a huge moment for uh for me and so from that moment on it, it literally the goal was finish college and, and find a job somewhere i also wanted to get married at some point during then so that was nice that that happened so <laughs> hey liz <laughs> um is my wife, Liz, over here, uh, we met at the end of our first year of college um, through mutual friends, as in uh, she actually liked my roommate or my best friend first. Um, and so I was trying to like stick to the bro code and not like step on his toes or anything. So she thought I was a jerk because I would never really say anything to her. And I was just like trying not to get in his space or anything. And uh, and then so uh, it finally, you know, it was just kind of a weird situation, weird start off or whatever, but we started talking over the summer. And then at the beginning of our second year, I got back and, uh, and we started hanging out all the time. And, um, when did I, October, October 16th, I asked her to be my girlfriend, uh, of that year. And there's one time that, uh, I bought her some flowers and I put them inside of her truck so that when she got in her car to go to her class the next morning, she'd see the flowers and. And then, so I'm like all excited about it and everything. And she gets up to me. She's like, Did you put those flowers in my car? I was like, Yes. She's like, You broke into my car. I was like, Yeah, your back window's broken. I just put, because it they had a sliding window on it, but the mechanism was broken. So I just slid it. See, it pays to be a mechanic. You know, I just slid it over and, and put the thing. I thought I was so clever. I was like, Nobody's going to, you know, whatever. She was so mad at me that I broke into her truck and put flowers in there. And, uh, but that's okay because we're good now. <laughs> um, so we met, and, and, and there were moments there where, you know, there was kind of a, you know, a, a confusion because we were both – actually, Liz has a degree in youth ministry. My degree is in church ministries. Um, and so my uh, – it, it's kind of like, a, you know, we took all the same classes, just a different title, you know. And, um, and so it's kind of interesting because we had this moments where um, – it was like well for both feel like we're supposed to to work with teenagers which one of us is going to get paid for this you know like like that kind of a question and uh and and the more that we were together the more it was apparent that god had us each on separate paths and said this is my calling for you and and the more that we hung out together the more that we you know dated and and spent time together the more we realized that god was creating a call for us together as a couple not just as us as individuals right and and uh and so um you know but if there's any teenagers in here that are dating, okay, just focus on yourself, okay? <laughs> Don't be like, God has called us together to do this or whatever. I mean, if that's happening, cool, but just, hey, get married first, um, <laughs> you know? Um, so um, so it was kind of this this very interesting thing uh, where we were listening to the, we were both very used to listening to what it was that God had called us to do, and now we had to listen to what it is that we're supposed to do now, how are we supposed to work through this, and and, and things like that. Um, so we, um, did a lot of different things together in college. We went on a missions trip to India for like, uh, like total travel time was like 30 days, uh, for this trip that we took. And, uh, it was an amazing trip, except it was like extremely hot and like, I don't like sweat a lot, but the entire time I was there, I would, did not stop sweating. As soon as we got into India, it was just really hot, but a really good trip. <laughs> so, uh, really cool stuff that, that, that we did together. And then, um, we uh, got engaged at the end of our junior year, um, no, yes, the summer before our junior year, we got engaged and um, <clears throat> and it really was just like and this whole time i 'm just like like I could just feel God like just orchestrating all of these different things and and lining it up and 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 uh it really was it 's amazing. Even though I made mistakes along the way, obviously I'm not perfect, right? And, and I'm sure I miss God's voice, like, more times than I could count. <clears throat> but it's amazing to look back and see all these different moments, all these mountaintop moments in my life where, where God orchestrated these things. I'm like, God, it makes so much sense now, you know, the way that you asked me to do this or had me do this or whatever. And, uh, and so um, but Liz was, Liz was coming in at the end of the summer, um, to surprise me, uh, she was supposed to come visit anyways, but she was coming early because I got to another uh, opportunity to speak at church in the youth group, so she was going to come early and surprise me. So I called her mom uh, to ask permission to marry her, um, and um, and so I, I called and said, "Hey, I'm calling you because I want I'm going to propose to Liz. And I want your permission." And then I spoke to her stepdad Jerry too, and 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 talked to him and asked him as well. But the first thing. Out of her mom's mouth was, "Oh, so you know she's coming in early," and I was like, "What?" <laughs> and uh, and so her mom spoiled the surprise. So then when she was going to surprise me, I surprised her with a ring, and uh, it was really cute. I had like this pathway of flowers, and I was playing my kubu play, and uh, she walked in the doors, and everybody was holding signs that said, "Liz, will you marry me?" And it was cute. So, um, but anyways, we got engaged, and then we got married the summer after our junior year. Junior year. Uh, and then finished our last year of college together, and um, and and then ended up here. We started doing interviews uh, probably three months, sending out resumes about three months before we graduated, and um, and then uh, we got her back from all these different churches. And some of these churches was like, man, like Lord, I, if you call me there, I'll go there. But r- really, please don't call me there. <laughs> you know, like. Those kind of situations. And it was just like just interesting things. And some of them went through. Some of them didn't. And and so we had second interviews or third interviews with some other places. But every time we had another interview with Pastor Scott and the board and, and all the people here, uh, it, we really just felt this confirmation. And uh, there was this one time when I first got to college, I was in this leadership program. So it was about 90 students of the many students that were at Southwestern. And we interned at this church and worked there. And took classes there, um, and and I was I was spending a moment in prayer. We had regular prayer times, and during this time of prayer, I was just sitting there in the presence of God. I didn't necessarily feel like I was being very productive or anything, and all of a sudden, I had this thought in my mind, and, and literally first year, first semester of college. I'm sitting here in this in this room, and I'm talking to God. And for some reason, this thought popped into mind. It was, God, it would be awesome if I got married before my senior year, and then I moved to Colorado to be a youth pastor. And literally, we're, like, sitting in an interview with Pastor Scott, and this moment comes back into my mind. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, you know, like, crazy. And then we come out here for our final interview, and, uh, you know, he shows us around, and we go up in the mountains because Liz, Liz and I have never seen mountains before and all this kind of stuff. And and uh, we had an amazing time up here and really connected And he offered us a position. We went back and and graduated and then moved here. And so we've been here ever since. Um, And and it really has been just an amazing place. I feel so blessed that God planted us here at Church of Briargate. you know, for, for myself and for, you know, the the ability to be the youth pastor, the students that are here and to work under pastor Scott. Um, I just feel so blessed to, to, to be here in this place. Um, and to be here for, for this long as well, it really is an amazing thing. And, and, uh, you know, I wouldn't trade it for anything else, you know? Um, I I wouldn't, it it really is an amazing, like the average, I don't know if you guys know this, but the average tenure of a, a youth pastor at a church is like, it's like less than a year. Um, and so, for us, we're coming up on eight years here. Um, so, so, it really is, uh, man, I just feel like God put us right exactly where we needed to be. You know, again, the same kind of thing of, you know, all these other moments that, that were back in my life. Because I continue to say, God, wherever you want me to go, I will go. Whatever you want me to do, I will do. I'm going to mess up along the way, but your grace is good enough to cover me. And, and we're going to get there, you know. And, and that kind of an attitude. Um, so... Um, so that's that's that 's kind of my story you know all the you know the good and the bad and the the mistakes and the the times where where God just really uh covered me and and, and different things like that and and uh and, and there 's so much more you know that I could say so much more that I can go into times that god has has just overwhelmingly blessed us in in ways that we didn 't deserve or you know that we didn't work for or whatever and and uh and And just amazing things where where God did so many things in our life, and it all came from just being just being committed to Jesus, just being committed to my relationship with him and and committed to to saying yes and committed to doing the right thing and not compromising on my beliefs and uh, all these different kinds of things and so um one of my favorite uh, Bible verses is in uh Daniel chapter three. Uh, you guys, how many of you guys know the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Uh, King Nebuchadnezzar built a big statue of himself, and, and he told everybody, "When you hear the sound of all these instruments, you need to bow down and worship this statue. Uh, and if you don't, you know, you're basically, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to throw you in this fiery furnace." And um, and so these these Israelite uh, boys who who were taken out of their home and and transplanted into this culture and this place that was contrary to what they believed, right? That kind of feels a little bit like what we're going through in America right now, right? Uh, we're, we're heading in a direction that's contrary to what we believe. Um, understood the value of staying committed to God and committed to worshiping him alone, not him as well as other things, right? Um, and so they chose to... Um, they chose to to be uh, stay committed to God in this, and so um, basically, up to this point, we're going to start reading uh, chapter three, verse nineteen. But up to this point, um, Nebuchadnezzar has heard that um, that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are not bowing down to the statue, right? And um, and so it comes. I'm sorry, uh, a little bit before verse um, nineteen. Um, he talks to them, and he says, I'm going to give you one more chance. I'm going to give you one last chance when you hear the music to bow down to the statue and worship it. And, and if you don't, you're getting thrown into the fiery furnace. And this is literally like one of my favorite responses in, in the entire Bible. Uh, I mean, the whole Bible's good, you know, but this is just one that really um, really stands out to me and really is is amazing and speaks to me. Um, and, and even though there is times in my life where I feel like I have had this attitude, I wish that there were more times in this life and it was easier for me to have this attitude. But it says this here, um, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego replied, "O Nebuchadnezzar in verse 16, Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us, right? So they have reassurance in the power of, of who their God is. And who, the God that they serve, they, they understand his power. They're speaking with fear of the Lord, right? They understand who he is and, and, and are speaking from a place of fear of God and, and all this kind of stuff, all the right things right here. It says, um, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. I like how they're still being polite here, um, But anyways, (laughs) um, in verse 18, it says, but even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue you have set up. I love that. But even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue that you have set up. They understand the value in their relationship with God, and they understand the, the truth that is in that as well. They understand that that no earthly king or earthly God that is manufactured or made up can come close to the power of the God that they serve, the God of Israel. Uh, you know, this is before Jesus came, right, and everything. So, uh, you know, but but they understand the power of God, right? And And I, I truly think that this is kind of an important thing to put in there, but they also feared God very much in saying this, right? And, and I hear a lot of people talk about how, you know, the fear of the Lord is really kind of more of a respect thing, like, hey, I respect you or whatever. But, but legitimately, I think it's actual fear, right? I, I think somebody says that it's, it's not actually fear. It's just kind of a respect thing. Um, I think when you understand who God is and who you are in comparison to him, you better be afraid of who he is. Right. And, and out of that fear comes the respect and comes the, the honoring him and worshiping him alone. Uh, just like you see from Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego here. Uh, and, and they're in this place where they say, hey, our, our, you know, you're nothing compared to our God, your majesty. You know, um, you're nothing compared to who he is. He can he can save us. But even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue you set up. And I think it's very important to to have this respect and this fear of God, but still understand, even if he doesn't. Like, there's so many times in in, in your life that that maybe you have gone through some pretty hard stuff. Like, maybe you have had things happen in your life, and you're like, I just don't know why God didn't, right? I don't know if anybody else has had moments like that in their life, but I can tell you I definitely have. And and you think, why couldn't have God just stepped in here? Or why couldn't have God just, you know, done this or whatever? But I think it's so important for us in moments like that to have this attitude of, but even if he doesn't, we are still very clearly going to worship him above everything else. And he is still going to be our Lord and my Savior and in the center of my life, and, and and the one that I worship, the one that I adore, you know, all this kind of stuff. And so I mean it goes on to say Nebuchadnezzar was so furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that his face became distorted with rage. He commanded the furnaces be heated seven times hotter than usual. Then he ordered some of the strongest men of his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. So they tied them up and threw them in the furnace, fully dressed in their pants, turbans, robes, and other garments. And because the king, in his anger, had demanded such a hot fire in the furnace, the flames killed the soldiers as they threw the three men in. I'm thinking at this point, maybe you shouldn't have picked your best soldiers because then you wouldn't have lost your best soldiers. But I don't know. That's just me. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego securely tied, fell into the roaring flames. But suddenly, Nebuchadnezzar jumped in amazement and exclaimed uh, to his advisors, Didn't we tie up three men and throw them in the furnace? Your majesty, we certainly did, they replied. Look, Nebuchadnezzar shouted, I see four men unbound, walking around in the fire, unharmed, and the fourth looks like a god. Then Nebuchadnezzar came uh, as close as he could to the door of the flaming furnace and and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, uh, servants of the most high God, come out, come here. And I think it's very interesting here because... um, Obviously, these people are, are looking for something to serve, right? They're creating gods. He's creating this statue. They're looking for something to worship, but they have yet to find something that actually has power. They have yet to find the one that actually has authority over everything else, right? And so uh, so he, he, he acknowledges here, servants of the most high God, come out, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stepped out of the fire. Then the officers, officials, governors, and advisors crowded around them and saw that the fire had not touched them. Not a hair on their heads was singed. Uh, And their clothing was not scorched. They didn't even smell of smoke. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He sent his angel to rescue his servants who trusted in him. To rescue the servants who trusted in him. They defied the king's commands and were willing to die rather than serve or worship any god except their own. Therefore, I make this decree. If people, whatever the race, nation, or language Speak a word against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that they will be torn limb from limb, and their houses will be turned into heaps of rubble. There is no other God who can rescue like this. Um, it, it really is an amazing turnaround because he sees, you know, he sees the power that they've been looking for. He sees the, the, the spirituality that they've been searching for, uh, and, and the power that comes from from the one true God, the only God that there is, right? But I, I think it's it's very important for us to understand this passage especially in the time that we're in now, because we are actually stepping into an area in America where we weren't before, where you are probably going to have to, at some point, stand up to something and say, I will not, because this is against what it is I believe, and my God does not honor this, or whatever. You know, just like just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego here, you know, they said, Making demands you you have to bow down to this every time you hear the music, you have to bow down to this and and I'm sure that in your own mind right now, without me going into things and us getting in an uproar about what's going on we can uh, we can certainly think of th- some things that might be going on right now where where we need to be in a place and understand uh, with the fear of God that we serve a God that is bigger than anything else that is happening right now, that is more powerful than any other words that are being spoken right now. And 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 it is our job to continually seek him above everything else and exclusively above everything else, not in addition to other things, right? And, and because the, our God has the power over anything that they can, they can speak against us or they can put in place in front of us or, or whatever it is, right? Our God is big enough to handle any of it, right? But we need to know, even if he doesn't, I'm still not going to bow down to this idea. I'm still not going to bow down to this theology. I'm still not going to bow down to this this um you know this this morality that you're trying to say is normal, right? I'm still not going to do this. You know, you can you can punish me, you can throw me into a fiery furnace, but I'm still not going to bow down and 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 worship these worldly idols that you've been creating, these worldly ideas that you've been creating that go completely against the way that God created us to be. Right. It's important for us to have that boldness in our faith and that consistency in our faith. Again, I can, you know, look back at my life. Uh, and, and again, everything that I share about the things that that have happened in my life are are by no means. Uh, man, look at the good job I did. It's not at all. Everything is pointing to the things that God did. Right. Because I know my tendencies. I know the things that I struggled with. And and I know who I would be without God and And I, I shudder to think of the place that I would be at without a relationship with Jesus, and I know there are so many things that I've never had to deal with because I have a relationship with Jesus. I know there are times when when there's no reason when I should have had joy and I had joy. There's no reason I should have had hope and I had hope. There's no reason that I should have had peace in this time, but I had peace when everybody around me didn't because they weren't serving the same God I was serving right and 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 it's all pointing to Jesus, and it's so important for us. In our lives, no matter where our age is, no matter where we're at in life, to continually say, I'm going to pursue God above everything else, right? He's always going to remain first in my life. And even if I make mistakes, the blood of Jesus is, is, is covered over it. There is grace enough for my worst mistakes. I'm going to keep going because God continually looks at me and he calls me who he created me to be. He doesn't call me by the same things that I doubt myself in. He doesn't look at me and label me the same way that I label me sometimes. He calls me by who he created me to be. And, and if we can continue to serve him and look after him and, and, and just worship him with our life, we'll find ourselves in the place that he created, a, he created for us. Right. We'll find ourselves with the opportunity to do ministry the way he asks us to do ministry. Right. To to pray for people and, and see them be healed. Right. To 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 speak words of life and encouragement into people that truly need it. Um, and it. And it all comes from just I truly think this is this is the most basic thing I can say is waking up every day, looking in the mirror and say, today is all about you, God. And whatever you want me to do today, if I hear your voice and I'm going to be listening, if I hear your voice, I'm going to obey. I want to listen to it. Just like it says in Romans 12, um, living your life as a, a, a living sacrifice, you know, as in dying to yourself and living for Christ. As a living sacrifice, saying every morning, God, I die to my own desires, I die to my own will, I die to my own ideas and and processes that that I want to do today or whatever and and i 'm just going to do what you want me to do, God, I live for you today, and that doesn 't mean that you can never do what you want to do, you can never have fun or anything like that, because I think sometimes people think that right um, but but God truly cares about the desires of your heart and 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 I could say that the place that i 'm in after after following Christ is is so fulfilling being in the place that he's placed me, right? Being in the place that he, he put me in the place that he's called me to be there. I, I don't think there's anything that's more fulfilling than that. Right. Um, so anyways, um, that's my encouragement to you guys tonight. Um, and, and I would encourage you to kind of, kind of ponder on this, you know, is there anything in your life that you need to have a, but even if he doesn't, attitude towards? Is there anything in your life that's, that's, that's kind of the, uh, a, a thing there? Understand that God has the power to do anything, and God did save Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego from these flames in a, in a miraculous way, right? We serve a miraculous God, so pray for the miraculous, expect the miraculous, but in your heart have that attitude. Even if he doesn't, he is still worthy to be served. Right. Think about that. Process that for your own life. Spend some time meditating on that when you get home before you go to bed tonight. Uh, you know, set set an alarm to process that so that it's not just a thought that you have here, but an application in your life that can that can be a seed that grows from this day forward into something bigger. All right. So, let me pray for you as we uh, as we get ready to close tonight. Lord, we thank you so much. For you are God. Uh, uh, for for my life, and, and you have called us to do the way that you created. For have spoken over us the things that you have called us to do the way that you created us for a specific purpose. Lord, I pray that, uh, Lord, if there's anybody in here tonight that that kind of is wondering what it is that you want them to do, what it is that what what's that thing that's going to be fulfilling to them because you created them to do that. I be, I pray that you begin to speak that to to everyone in this room tonight. That they would be clearly aware of of the call that you have on their life, the 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 place that you've put them, the strengths that they have, the um the area, the direction that you're putting them in, the opportunities that they're going to have to to share who you are, to be the light of of Jesus throughout their their workplace, their community, their neighborhood, whatever it is. I pray that you begin to speak that, and God, I. I I I want to commit in this moment God to, to only bow down to you to only worship you alone. God nothing else God that if if other things get in the way, God I pray that you would you would take down any idols that I've created in my own life, God that are keeping me from you, God. I pray that you would be the sole direction of my life, that you would be the sole direction of my worship and my my adoration and 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 Lord, I pray that you would just truly work uh, amongst that the, 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 those same words, God, for everyone in here. God, those, those same prayers for everybody in this room tonight. I pray that you'd, you would encourage us in, in the, the, the wonderful things that you have for us, God, and the, the, the blessings that you have in everything, Lord. And, and again, Lord, even, even if nothing is to come of it, even if, even if, God, you don't do anything else, simply your salvation alone that's already been gifted to us is enough. And we worship you for that, and we praise you for that. We pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, thanks for letting me speak to you tonight. Even though you had no choice, we will uh, see you on Sunday.